Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. The questions keep coming in, so it's time for another Love and Life Q&A episode. We have three questions to tackle today. One listener wants to know how to ask a guy out. The second listener is struggling to find the motivation to date after a year of lockdowns and COVID malaise. And the third listener wonders how to let a guy know she's interested and warm and loving while still keeping her high-status, empowered approach to dating. We'll jump right into your questions after this. Have you heard? You can now listen to my book, Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right. As you know, I wrote the book I wish had been available to me when I was single. So obviously, it's not about how to snag a man. Rather, it's all about how to stay strong amidst single shaming and remain true to yourself and never settle for anything less than an extraordinary relationship. Find it on Audible or iTunes. And for a free sample, check out Chapter 11 of Single is the New Black in Episode 145 of Love and Life. Hi, Dr. Karen. My question is in relation to asking a guy out. So I've never really done that before. It's kind of scary, but um, there's a guy I know. I'm pretty sure he's single. We get on well. I think there's chemistry and I'm Irish. We're, We're both Irish. Irish men can be a little bit hesitant in coming forward. And I don't have a problem in doing that. I mean, it is scary, but I will do it and make the first move. Um, if he's not going to, at least just to ask him out, just to see if there is something there so that at least I can, you know, move on if there's, if he's not interested or do something if he is. But I'm just wondering if I do ask him out, how do I then kind of step back and let him pursue me? So any advice around that would be amazing. Thank you. So the short answer is, as women who are dating empowered, we don't ask guys out. And this is all based on the research of Dr. Duena Welch. You can hear the full explanation for this in episode 92, The Science of Dating, and in her book, Love Factually, which I highly recommend for anyone who wants to understand what the research tells us about the ways that we approach dating as men, as women, and how they're very different And we need to use this science and our understanding of the research to position ourselves as what Dr. Welch calls high status in the dating scene. So we don't ask men out because as you point out at the end of your question, how do we then lay back to let them pursue us? If we ask them out, we've denied them the opportunity to pursue us and we've denied ourselves the enjoyment of being pursued. And by pursuing men, we've put ourselves into a lower status category on the dating scene. The other thing that can happen if we are pursuing a guy, if we ask him out, if we're choosing him, we may end up with a man who's passive. And I spoke to this in depth in episode 144 with psychotherapist Elliot Anderson, who has worked with couples for 30 years. 
and he shared about the passivity in men that he's seeing with a lot of the couples with whom he works. And what he's seeing is oftentimes women are taking charge, they're taking the lead in the relationship early on. That sets a foundation for them being in this leadership position with their man. Then later, they're frustrated because their man's passive. But this dynamic was established from the beginning. So to get into more depth about male passivity, please check out episode 144, Why Are So Many Men So Passive in Relationships? That'll give you more information to consider as you decide what you want to do and if taking the lead and asking him out is in fact the choice you want to make in this situation. So what to do? How do we let a guy know we're interested without doing the full on asking them out? Fortunately, there is an entire body of research on the science of flirting, which can indicate to a gentleman that we would like him to pursue us. It gives him the green light that we are open to getting to know him and would like him to approach us. So let's take a look at some of the ways that we can flirt and communicate interest without taking the lead and lowering our status. I'm going to pull from a BBC article because I know you mentioned you're in Ireland and there may be some cultural realities that you're facing. So one of the things we know about flirting is that 55% of flirting is through body language. 38% is the tone and speed of our voice and only 7% is the actual content of the words we say. So when we start with body language, we want to do things that are a little uncomfortable at first, like maintain eye contact. So when you like a guy and you want to let him know you like him, when you're making your typical eye contact that we do throughout conversation, push yourself a little bit to let your eye contact linger a little bit more than you typically would with just a friend. And that's going to communicate that you are open to potentially creating a level of intimacy that's deeper than what you're interested in having with just a typical friendship relationship. Push yourself just a little bit out of your comfort zone and that eye contact, that lingering eye contact will signal to him that you're interested, but you haven't taken the lead. So you've maintained your high status empowered approach to dating. One more note on eye contact. The article shared a research study conducted by psychologist Arthur Aaron. Quote, New York psychologist Professor Arthur Aaron has been studying the dynamics of what happens when people fall in love. He has shown that the simple act of staring into each other's eyes has a powerful impact. He asked two complete strangers to reveal to each other intimate details about their lives. This carried on for an hour and a half. The two strangers were then made to stare into each other's eyes without talking for four minutes. Afterwards, many of his couples confessed to feeling deeply attracted to their opposite number, and two of his subjects even married afterwards. Another science-based flirting technique is called mirroring, and it's very simple, and it's just like it sounds. When we're talking to someone, we mirror our body posture 
to match theirs. So if he's leaning in, we lean in a bit. If he leans to the left, we lean to the left a bit. Very subtle, but what it communicates is empathy. In fact, psychotherapists are often encouraged to mirror their clients, to communicate through their bodies that they are with their client and to express empathy via our posture. Similarly, be sure that your body is communicating that you're open to being approached. And that openness is communicated by not crossing your arms, for example, and by leaning in. You want to communicate through your body that you would like for him to try to take this connection that you have to the next level and turn it romantic. I know when I was dating, sometimes you're nervous, right? So you're crossing your arms a little bit or you're crossing your leg, you're kind of hunched over and it's a protective gesture, a protective posture because yeah, dating is causing us to feel vulnerable or in this case, trying to communicate that you're interested, that also is anxiety provoking and makes you feel vulnerable. So sometimes our body takes that on and closes ourselves off. So we want to be very mindful and be sure to be open, sit up straight, have open posture, do not cross your arms, keep your arms open. Also with your hands, a light touch here and there. If he says something funny, touch his arm, that sort of thing. If you need to do something with your hands, twirl your hair, go old school. I mean, use these other ways to let him know you're interested without you having to initiate so that you can maintain your status. Also, research finds, not surprisingly, that smiling is very flirtatious. So be sure to use that warmth, communicate that through your facial expressions as well. And finally, something I didn't expect to find when I was doing a little digging, that wearing red is a way to communicate your sex appeal. And it's a study from the University of Rochester. It's shown that wearing red increases perceived attractiveness. And this holds true for men and women. So it behooves all of us to put on something red to present ourselves as a little extra desirable. And finally, I know you mentioned that Irish guys are maybe not as assertive as other men. I've heard some similar things from women in the UK. So to that point, I think we can still present ourselves as empowered and high status by taking opportunities in conversation. So say you're talking about a band that you both like and you could say something very benign like, oh, I'd love to see them someday. I've never had the chance. That'd be so awesome. That gives him the opportunity to go, oh yeah, me too. We should go together, right? And that's such an easy way for him to ask you out on a first date and you've teed him up and now you're allowing him to still take the lead. So something like that, try to be a little creative in the way that you steer the conversation so that you can say and express a desire to do something perhaps outside of wherever you're connecting with him. And that way he could then take advantage of that opportunity to go, yes, let's do that thing outside of this context and let's do it together. And I'm asking you to do it with me. Hey, Dr. Karen, thanks so much for everything that you do. Um, my question is around just feeling kind of listless and not really being interested in dating anymore, mainly because of kind of this fatigue after the pandemic and having a couple of disappointments um, along the way. And just after the last breakup, just kind of feeling done. And one concern I have is that it's kind of like now or never when it comes to 
trying to find someone to have children with. And I'm just curious about why my psychology is trying to give up now and not continue putting myself out there, uh, including, you know, being my best self, which would mean working out more, looking good and trying to attract the right person in this critical time. I'm uh, 37. Thank you, Dr. Karen. So I'm sorry to hear that you're feeling weary, listless, defeated, and just kind of over it. And I get that. Many women in my community are feeling the same thing. They're in their late 30s and the pressure is building because of our biological clocks and our fertility window. And on top of that, they're feeling like I don't want to feel rushed. I hate this pressure, this feeling of it's got to happen now or else. There's the reality of, yes, the fertility window. And then there's also the piece of, I don't want to force something or it doesn't, it feels like a job to try to have to find somebody and it's exhausting being on these apps and then getting your hopes up for a first date. And then after three minutes, realizing this is not your person and yet again, feeling dejected or getting ghosted after three or four dates. And then you get to feel rejected and demoralized. All of it is emotionally exhausting in ways that people who haven't spent a lot of time as a single adult on the dating scene, if they haven't had that experience, they really don't get it, which is why I wrote my book and I provide the resources I provide, hoping to reach women just like you who are feeling what you're feeling right now and to know that you're not alone and that there is hope. And true love is possible. It is available. It may just show up a little bit later than you had hoped. And then you throw in COVID, as you mentioned, which is another slew of losses, grief that can be related to all of this as well. It's complex. It was complex enough already, and now it's even more complex. So first of all... Please know you are heard and you are seen and your feelings are validated and known and understood here. Now as for what to do. So the first thing that comes to mind when I hear what you're expressing is to go to ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. And you know I've had the honor of interviewing Dr. Stephen C. Hayes, the founder and creator of ACT, twice on my program And I think the first episode would be really helpful for you right now. It's episode 65, and I called it Liberate Your Mind to Address Depression and Anxiety because Dr. Hayes had just written a book called A Liberated Mind. And I focused on depression and anxiety because as a third generation cognitive therapy, ACT works extremely well with depression and anxiety. And it also works well with dating fatigue and malaise. The episode will help you get back to your values, your core values. And ACT is all about ascertaining what we value most in this life and then making choices and decisions that are in service of our chosen values. So right now, you may decide that the value of your peace of mind and pulling back a bit 
to take care of yourself, that's the value that is the most important to you right now. And you may decide to press pause on dating and just take a break. Or you may decide that because, as you mentioned, you're in your late 30s and there's this fertility window, you may decide that you want to act in service of the chosen value of finding partnership so as to have the chance to become a mother. And in that case, you would choose to move through some of this frustration, some of these sad feelings, honoring these feelings, yet moving through them toward your goals and your values. In ACT, we align our thoughts and behaviors so that they're pointing toward our values and our goals in life. So I think that episode will be very helpful for you as you ascertain what you want to do right now in this space. For more on ACT, you can check out episode 77 called Take Charge of Your Negative Thoughts, Part 1, Techniques from ACT, and that is with psychotherapist Kate Lambie. We delve into ACT and Kate shares strategies that she uses with her clients to help them as they're trying to sort out their emotions, their feelings, their thoughts, and how, again, we can make sure that all of the above is consistent with our values. And I love that framework. It's a really powerful model. Like I said, it goes above and beyond depression, anxiety. It's more of a philosophy for living in consistency with who you are, your identity, your authenticity, your values are certainly part of that. We talk about that on Love and Life all the time about, especially when we're looking for a partner, we want to make sure that we're clear on our values and what works for us. So all of this values work will support you now in this season and also support you in the future. We've also been talking about the biological clock and the desire to become a mother I cover that in several episodes as well. So I want to refer you to episode 48 called A Race Against Time, Beating the Biological Clock, Techniques from Cognitive Therapy. I speak with Bruni Getchell and Allison Sepanera. They're both psychotherapists. And we talk about the biological clock throughout a woman's life, but certainly around the fertility window where you are currently. I also talk about this topic extensively recently with Britt McHenry in episode 133, Everything You Need to Know About Egg Freezing. That might be another option for you to take some of this pressure off to focus right now on freezing your eggs, which is a wonderful option to let women relax just a bit surrounding this concern. Focus on dating and meeting your person, knowing that your eggs are there. And when you are ready for them and ready to become a mom, you will have them available to you. So I hope that episode could be helpful to you as well. And this might be a great time to seek out a therapist. Obviously, I'd recommend one who's well-versed in cognitive therapy, specifically REBT and ACT as you know, are my favorites. So this might be a great time to collaborate with a professional to help you sort some things out right now. And of course, I have consultations available and I have support groups, so that might be another option. If you're looking for some in-depth support, head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com and click on the Work With Me tab to schedule a consultation. Consultations will help you clarify underlying emotional and psychological concerns, 
We'll target limiting beliefs and thought patterns. We'll learn empowering techniques from cognitive therapy to sustainably elevate your mindset and mood. We'll identify relationship dynamics which are impeding your goals. And we'll together generate a concrete plan for moving forward to help you thrive in love and life. Schedule your consultation today at loveandlifemedia.com. I'd love to work with you. Hi, Dr. Karen. I commented on an Instagram post about acting like you're his girlfriend before he's asked you to be exclusive. My original comment was, had such a hard time with this in my last dating situation. In the early stages, how can you be open, honest, and vulnerable and show interest without making them feel like you're a sure thing and not a challenge? I normally get the feedback that I'm too closed off and seem uninterested, so I tried being more open and vulnerable. I went first to opening up on little things, but he matched my openness and said he really liked me first, and he disappeared. I can never get out of the very early stages, whether I'm open or closed. I don't know how to calibrate and find the sweet spot. For just a little more context, my concern was around showing appreciation. I've heard from many dating coaches that men thrive on appreciation for the smallest things, so I really tried to focus on expressing gratitude for things he did that I liked, like calling instead of texting and letting him know how his actions made me feel, saying, it feels great to hear your voice, it helps me feel connected, etc. I guess I will never know why he ghosted me, and that's fine, but I worry that all this praise and gratitude in the very early stages made me seem too interested in him. He definitely told me that I'm easy to please, but I wonder if that made me seem like no challenge at all. I have pretty strong boundaries, so I don't feel like I'm a doormat or a people pleaser at all. Quite the opposite. I did feel like I was being way schmoopier than I would normally be because of these efforts to praise. Please help me know how to find the happy medium. Thanks so much. Okay, so love this question because you're trying to find, as you put it, that sweet spot. You want to be yourself. You want to be genuine. You want to be authentic, but you also want to be high status, as we've been talking about in this episode. And you're listening to dating coaches. You're going, okay, I got to show appreciation, but I don't want to be perceived as not a challenge. What I do? Ultimately, what you do is be yourself. So first and foremost, we must be ourselves. That being said, we want to present our best, our most empowered, high status self for sure. So it's a matter of what to lead with. It's not about being phony or not being genuine. It's about leading with the parts of ourselves that will get us the relationship we want. So let's just dig into your question a little bit. You talked about trying to be more open, honest, and vulnerable early on because you've had feedback that you're too closed off and you appear to be uninterested. So I love the open and the honest. And of course, we're honest incrementally. We don't share TMI, the first date. We don't go into deep self-disclosure, but we can be completely honest about who we are. We can be open. We can be warm. We can be engaging. We can make eye contact. We can lean in. We can be in the present moment. We are very available in that moment for that person. And that communicates that we have the potential to be even more available should things progress. So the open, the honest part, love that. The vulnerability piece, that's a word I wouldn't use as being appropriate early on in a relationship. I would not recommend that women 
be very vulnerable early on. In fact, women who display too much vulnerability early on oftentimes are targets for predators because people who are out there who want to manipulate and dominate in a partnership, they will test early on. They're looking for weaknesses so as to exploit these weaknesses. She's got a broken wing and I will present myself as someone who's going to protect her and take care of her in the midst of her vulnerability, and yet I'm going to use that as an opportunity to dominate her. So we have to be very careful. So vulnerability is something that I recommend we take our time. We incrementally disclose more and more about who we are. As this person has demonstrated, they have earned the right to know more about ourselves. So I just wanted to be very clear about my thoughts about vulnerability because I think that's something that can get a little confusing because, as you noted, you've been told you're reserved and perhaps too closed off, but at the same time, we don't want to be laying everything out too quickly, too soon. You also mentioned showing appreciation, which again, I think this is something we can do without making ourselves appear not a challenge, as you put it, or too available. So when you're together, you're in the moment, you're present, you're thanking him if he picks up the tab, and that demonstrates that you are a person who is appreciative of someone's gestures. At the same time, as high-status women, we need to remember that he's lucky to be with us. And I don't mean this in an arrogant way. I just mean this in a way that we present. Because again, you're trying to find that sweet spot. So for example, I would never recommend saying something like, thank you so much for your time hanging out tonight. That's not the kind of gratitude I would express. I would say, thank you so much for paying for dinner. I enjoyed our time together. I would even say after a couple dates, something like, I hope we can do this again soon. That's great. That's showing warmth, appreciation. It's showing that I hope to keep things moving, that I like where this is going. But like I said, what I wouldn't do is thank him for his time because he should be thanking me for my time. We're the prize. As high status women, we are the prize. He's lucky to be with us. I mean this in the best way. I mean this in the way of we know what we have to offer a relationship and we know how much love we have to give and how much support we have to give. And he's going to learn that, but he's going to be more interested in learning that about us if he perceives us as high status and worthy to be pursued. So you shared that you had said at one point with this guy who recently ghosted you, it feels great to hear your voice and it helps me feel connected to you. That's something I would want him to say to you. I would want him to be excited to hear your voice and that that phone conversation had helped him feel more connected to you and more excited to continue to pursue you. So I'd love for him to express that sentiment to you. But that doesn't mean that you're not appreciative of him calling. And like those dating coaches you referred to, yes, you can absolutely express Hey, thank you so much for calling. It was great chatting. And yeah, I hope we can get together again sometime soon. Something like that. You demonstrate that you're a grateful, appreciative person. But I like the idea of leaving room for him to talk about how great it felt to hear your voice and how he's feeling more connected to you. 
And we can do this and present this in a way that doesn't make us arrogant. It just makes us self-assured. It communicates to him that we have this confidence. And you mentioned that you have strong boundaries and that you didn't really like being so schmoopy, I think is how you put it. You were schmoopier than you normally would be. So I think actually my best recommendation for you is to go back to who you really are. Because it sounds like you got some things in your head and like we all do, we have an experience and we try to analyze it and we try to conduct an assessment and figure out what went wrong so that we can move forward, making different choices that will help us achieve our goals. I think in this case, you need to go back to you. And frankly, some of those guys who felt that you were a little bit distant, closed off and uninterested those might just not be your guy. Maybe they need a woman who's a little bit needier and clingier. You got to be you. And I think you can do all the things that the dating coaches talk about and express gratitude and demonstrate warmth and let them know that you have so much love to give without giving too much too soon and then causing you to feel like, wait a minute, I matched him, you said. I matched him and then he ghosted. And that's so frustrating. I do have an episode about ghosting way back in episode 30. I asked the question, ghosting, cowardice or kindness? So that might be helpful for you as well. The love and life hack for this week is we can find that sweet spot. We can integrate the science, the research on how to date empowered and high status and also be ourselves. In the last question, we talked about gratitude and appreciation, and I am so grateful and appreciative of you being part of the Love and Life family and giving me a portion of today to share with you these questions and my thoughts surrounding them. I hope it's felt encouraging and edifying. If you haven't grabbed my Empowered Dating Playbook yet, it's free. It's on my website and it covers this type of stuff and so much more to help you present yourself as the empowered woman you are so that you can find someone who appreciates you and is willing to pursue you. Don't deny yourself the enjoyment of being pursued and don't deny men the enjoyment of pursuing you. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Thanks again for joining me. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril.